Hello and welcome to the Why I Knit podcast. My name is Dr Mia Hobbs and I'm a clinical psychologist who's passionate about knitting and its benefits for our mental health. Each week on the podcast I interview a different knitter about why they knit and how it benefits their well-being. This is the last episode of series one and I'm very lucky to be joined by Dana Williams-Johnson or DWJ who is a professor of marketing and a passionate knitter of sweaters for humans and very small dogs. You can find out more about Dana by reading her blog at www.yardsofhappiness.com. She's also on Instagram at callmedwj. You can find a link to Dana's blog and any of the yarns and patterns we discuss in the show notes. Hi Dana, welcome to the podcast. Hello, hello. Hello. Um, So I always start with asking about where your story with knitting began. Um, So I learned... It's only been about 11 years, I think. Okay. Um, I, I've always been crafty mm-hmm. and, uh, but never, I'd never done anything really with yarn before. I can sew, um, big paper craft person. Uh, I paint, well, mm-hmm. I used to for a long time. Um, and, but I didn't know anybody who knit, hmm. knit or crochet, in fact, um, Actually, I didn't know someone crochet, but she never crocheted in front of me. And so I just never, my best friend, I find out later on crocheted. It's like, what? Um, so I had started this new job and I kind of needed, I was at that phase in my life where I hadn't figured out 100% still what I really wanted to do. I think mm-hmm. I was um, a late bloomer in terms of career. I'm good at lots of things, but there was nothing that, like my husband is an engineer, has always known he wanted to be an engineer and absolutely loves his job. I never had that in my life um, until I started teaching. And so I was like, well, I'm doing this job and it's pay is great. Hours are easy. Like I'm learning some new stuff, but I, I need something really creative. So I got one of those um, Groupon deals where like mm-hmm. discounted to get and it was for knitting lessons at a knitting shop in DC that doesn't exist anymore. And um, I said to my mom, like, I think I'm gonna take knitting lessons. And I, I always told the story because she said to me, you don't need another craft. You don't need to learn another thing. You don't need to spend money on anything else. So I'm <laughs> like, rude. Um, <laughs> and then like a week after I said it, she was like, can you knit me this hat? And I was like, wait, you literally just said to me, she's like, I've I assumed you ignored me like always. So can you make it? (laughs) So I signed up for lessons um, and it took a little bit for me to kind of get it. But once I got it, (laughs) I was hooked. And and that was kind of it for me. Um, And I had a teacher who really like, like I was an intro knitting class, but it learned very quickly how to do cables and knitting in the round. Like she was kind of really aggressive. Um, (laughs) But I think it kind of helped give me a little bit of confidence early because you just kind of go into it like, well, I guess I can do this. Like, I can do anything. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also took it upon myself to, like, usually once a year, I take a class because of that. So every year for the last year, usually at my local yarn shop, I sign up for some type of class to learn some new skill, some new thing. Or if I want, like, when I wanted to get into sweater knitting, I took an intro to sweater knitting class, I could ask all the questions mm. um and so for because I realized I'm nerdy in that way and that I love 
education learning. Um, and so that's what knitting is for me. It, there's a con, like before you started recording, we were talking about a, there's always something that you can learn. So I don't feel bad when I'm like, oh, I haven't learned that yet. Cause I'm like, I'll get there. Like I've been saying forever, I really want to do something with Intarja. Hasn't happened yet. Will it? Yeah, it will. Mm. It will. I think it'll just be, a, I have to find the right project that has excited me to say. That's such a great idea to do a class of something new once a year. So is it always knitting related or could it be something completely random that you've never done before? Like I For me, it ceramics is always, or... it's always been knitting. Stuff. Okay. Like when I take a class a year, but I am also one of those people who encourages people to take classes. So like, um, my husband, when we got married, is an obsessive golfer. Mm-hmm. And he felt guilty when we first got married that he would go on the weekend and play and be away from me for four or six hours. So he was like, learn to play golf with me. So I signed up and took lessons. And mm-hmm. So I play golf. Um, so anytime, if there's something where I'm like, mm, I love uh, Creole food. I, well, I love to cook. Mm-hmm. So when we have traveled to New Orleans, I take cooking lessons. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> It's the thing of, I don't know how to do it, but there's usually somebody out there who can teach me. Yeah. Um, so, so you love I, to learn. I love to learn. So it's yeah. like, let me take advantage of that. Like if somebody is willing, someone, I'm not the best sewer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a, a follower who uh, is in the area, an older woman who I see all the time and help her out with stuff. And she's an amazing sewer. And I happened to say one day on Instagram, like, I would love to make a quilted coat. Like, I wish my skills were up to par. And she was like, I have a long arm quilting machine at my house. So, and she's like, I'm 100% can make that with you. She's like, so I can help you. So I'm all about like, oh, if you're willing to teach me, Mm -hmm. I'm all for it. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And was there something special about knitting that this, I mean, I don't know if it is your main craft now but was there something particularly that you think that hooked you into it I think uh I am a person who I enjoy being alone mm-hmm. <laughs> and I can do it my by myself mm-hmm. and I don't it can literally just be me and a ball of yarn and needles and I can take it anywhere mm-hmm. um and so for me, I think that was the thing that has made it my main craft is that I always have some knitting with me. Yeah. Um, and I can whip out a hat or a cowl, or maybe I'm working on a sweater or, you know, like, so it's constantly with me. My students know when I'm proctoring exams, I'll walk around the room while I'm knitting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's soothing for me it calms nerves it, it helps uh and I've, I think I've always had anxiety since I was a kid so I think for me it can also be um and a good way to kind of relieve some of my anxiety um yeah. I talked once about how when my dad died I was knitting something when you know people come to your house and like pay their respects and all that. And instead of people asking you the obvious questions about how are you feeling and lost when you know you feel horrible, instead mm. they asked me about what I was knitting. Mm. And it made it a little bit easier to have conversations and to be present with people instead of focusing on that thing that was kind of weighing you down. Mm. Yeah. 
And does it matter what you knit? Like is all knitting equal or does it make a difference what it is? I don't think it matters. I mean, I have an affinity for sweaters. Yeah. Um, like that's my, you know, I mean, they tell you every knitter has a thing. I don't get people who knit socks like that. Just I have absolute zero people. I don't want to do it. <laughs> but what, always, what is it about socks? Is it the process or the end result? I love it. Here's the thing. I love a knit sock. Yeah. And I have friends who knit me socks mm-hmm. and have given me knit socks gifts. I have absolutely zero desire to knit a sock for myself. Mm-hmm. I just don't. And as much as I knit and make, I think it's the tiny needles and the tiny yarn. It's not appealing. I okay. would buy a sock machine before I would knit. Okay, that's interesting. So it is a bit about the process. Yeah. 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 I would totally, like, I've looked at whenever I see somebody with one of those really gorgeous sock knitting machines, I'm like, I would do that. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to knit a sock. Okay. And fortunately, I have um, a really good girlfriend who has given me, like, a couple pairs of socks. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm like, no, 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 as long as I have good friends, it's fine. Yeah, you don't need to know them yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So sweaters, are they your main love, would you say? Sweaters are my main love. Yeah. And I associate you with some, with some bright colored, like combinations of colors, like. It's, I think it's that uh, color is such a a mood booster and a mood mm. changer so like this is an audio podcast but you can see me and you're in, you can see my house yeah. and there's a lot of artwork around yeah. um and growing up my parents always encouraged that in me um because I always would draw and paint and you know I remember being a kid and getting to pick the paint colors and the carpet colors for the wall my mom was like I hate it and my dad was like but it's her room <laughs> And, okay. and so they encourage that form sense. of self-expression for you yeah and yeah. so he would, he would always like but it, it's her room it's her one little space and it really makes her happy so let's just let her have that um and I know my mom never was always just you know my parent and it's funny because I grew up in a house I think my parents have really great taste but it's very classic and very like neutrals and okay. And meanwhile, I'm like, I'm going to paint this wall teal. Yeah. (laughs) And my ceilings are mint. And it's, um, fortunately, my husband kind of just goes with it. Like, sure, Dana loves color. Um, But I think wearing all black, like when I wear all black to work, people have asked, are you okay? What's wrong? Okay. (laughs) Because it ha- it is so rare. I yeah. went for years not owning a pair of black pants or a black skirt. Like that's just not. It's not I'm you. not a little black dress person. Mm. I'm a a little green dress yeah. or a little red dress. So when it comes to sweaters, and I'm gonna spend all this time, I don't want to make some gray sweater. Even when I've tried to make them for like other people as a gift, I'm like, I gotta put a little pop of colors. <laughs> somewhere I can't get through this um and I just think it makes you your wardrobe way happier I am sometimes envious though like people who have like a color palette and are like 
I wear like these five colors because my wardrobe is essentially a rainbow. I'm always like, I'll figure out some combo today. But I just think it makes me way happier to knit things, especially rainbows. Like I love a good rainbow. So to knit things that have so much kind of joy and levity to them. So it um, sounds like that affects your mood while you're making the garment, but also when you then get to wear it, if it's something you're keeping. Yarn is beautiful. I think yeah. especially indie dyed skeins are like little works of art. Mm. Um, and I got recently, um, I bought myself a sweater quantity for Christmas of the Labiana Meg confetti yarn that has oh, yeah. rainbow little bits on yeah. it. And I, I asked people for like suggestions for patterns and stuff online, but I know when I think about it at the end of the day, like, I just want something that's going to showcase how beautiful that yarn is mm. and and that you can see all the little flecks and I don't want that to get lost. And yeah. Um, and did you decide on a pattern? Uh, not 100%. I'm also like, I have so much yarn and so many patterns and projects that I'm considering or thinking about and my hand is a little um, academic life and all my typing has not helped Oh, okay. Um. So I'm trying to give my hand a little bit of rest as I'm like halfway through a sweater for my husband. <laughs> I'm like, I just want to finish the body on this sweater. And my hand is like, no, ma'am, we're not oh, doing that. Is it, that. That must be quite difficult then if you can't knit as much as you'd like to. I think this, well, this year I have knit the least in, mm. since I learned. And a lot of it was I had been, I had been ill. Um, and then because I had had illness and I had, I had multiple pulmonary embolisms. Um, and because of that, I, I have insane fatigue sometimes. Mm. And so I literally will get through a day and just be like, I'm just glad that I made it home and I'm still standing. And I'm, uh, I, I tell my husband, like, I'm just a potato on the couch. Like I can't do anything. So I haven't knit as much. I had a bit of a brief moment in November where I felt super like knitting energized and Mm -hmm. then once Thanksgiving hit and I had multiple papers and then I just finished comps so much typing and I know every year all the typing affects my joints and my hands and all that so uh, I have to be mindful of that because Mm -hmm. I still I tell people like it isn't necessarily about being an academic and writing I want to be able to knit (laughs) yeah yeah and does it I mean I feel like I would find it difficult to not be able to do the the thing that like you said kind of gives me joy and makes me feel calmer if I'm stressed um maybe you're more more used to managing that um I'll say that so this year has changed my perspective on a lot of things um I mean I'm fairly young I'm 43 and you don't expect to have a major life event mm. and I mean I was essentially told what I came in with is what most people die from when you find out we hear people die from pulmonary embolisms it is typically because of the level of embolisms that I had I had a massive one um restricting blood flow on the right side of my heart so my body wasn't getting enough oxygen and then my lungs were riddled with clots like mm. riddled Um, so for me to have made it as far as I had before being hospitalized was kind of miraculous. And so, um, I'd say about two weeks before I went to the hospital, 
I had stopped knitting. And I also had stopped talking as much, which is hard to do when you're a professor. Um, mm. But I talked only when I had to and found ways to really engage students in my classroom to do the talking so that I wouldn't have to. Um, and so I kind of switched over a little bit and had started working in um, Palmer Clay, um, which is a medium that I worked in before, but I had seen some fun things on Instagram and I wanted to make like jewelry and things like that. So I kind of switched over because I realized now I did not have enough oxygen in my body. So I did not have the brain power to read a knitting pattern, mm. um, which I couldn't, I didn't know that at the time. No. Um, and Palmer clay, you don't have to follow patterns or you don't, I could just sit down at the table and make whatever. And so um, when you realize after going through all that, like when I was in the hospital, I legit was just trying to survive. And, mm. And you're just kind of there and um, because, you know, when people are like, oh, I'm terrified of needles and I hate all this. You when you have someone slice into your neck artery while you're awake. Anything is possible Mm. (laughs) and you stop being afraid of certain things. And so I had to had to come to the realization when I came out of hospital, how sick I was and how long a recovery I had had. Mm. So they give you about a year before you were expected to feel normal. And um, I spent three months of the summer essentially waiting for my heart to go back to normal, which meant a lot of rest, mm. um, a lot of naps. And so my husband, I think, was the person who knew like a couple weeks out of the hospital, I finally picked Palmer Clay up. And so I, I saw him like grinning and I'm like, what? He goes, you're just being creative. And I'm happy about that. Like mm-hmm. I haven't seen this in weeks. He's like, so this is positive. And I would look at my knitting and I would want to do it. And then I would pick up a pattern and it's still just, I'm like, I know, I know what this means, but my brain still isn't there yet. Mm-hmm. And so I just kept telling myself, you haven't healed enough. You haven't you haven't healed enough um your blood oxygen levels aren't still normal so clearly you're not and like and people are like how are you in grad school and teaching and I was like well thanks I stopped doing certain things because I couldn't I wasn't functioning so I think this year I realized like I have to have patience with myself yeah I'm a fairly patient person but I'm also very efficient and like I do things for myself. So learning to be more patient with myself has been something that I've dealt with this year and not getting frustrated when I can't do the things that I want to do because mm. there are so many things that I can do now that I couldn't do six months ago. Yeah. So you're really so that, focusing on the process of recovery and trying to give yourself time for that. And sometimes you have to remind yourself of that. Like, yeah, we had to travel and do things and I was exhausted, but I was like, but you know what? Two months ago, I would not have been able to walk up that hill. Mm. And so let's be happy that I walked up that hill today. Um, yeah. And I, me and my husband is great at reminding me of those little things and being like, oh, you've done so much better. Like, oh, because I think he knows me so intimately and has seen me at the absolute lowest in the hospital. So he knows, like, this is progress. So eventually, mm. like, I was hospitalized early May. I think I started knitting again about six weeks out. So mid-June into July. 
Um, mm-hmm. So that was that was a while. Yeah. Um, and it and it took me a while, but I just every time I would start by like, well, I'm just gonna wind this ball of yarn at least. Mm. Let me wind this ball of yarn. Yeah. And I would like kind of hold it and touch it, and then I got to a point where I was like, well, I think I can knit at least a swatch for this sweater. Mm. I was like, okay, we got to do it. And then I would go, let me read the instructions. Let me just read it through. And I'll go, mm, no, still doesn't make sense yet. So let me give myself time. So it's about, it's been about patience for me. Yeah. Um, and giving and, myself time. And I guess one of the things that when we talk about therapeutic knitting, one of the, I think the reasons we think knitting is helpful is because you can break it down into quite small steps and it kind of makes it more accessible I think in some ways so for example if someone's feeling really low or like you when you were struggling to get back in that you could do a teeny tiny amount I suppose unlike other it might be hard to start I don't know much about painting but to start painting and only paint a tiny piece of a canvas or something whereas knitting like if you're doing a couple of stitches or like winding a ball of yarn you are still making progress towards the end thing even if it's in a very small increment of what you can manage in a given day I suppose yeah I mean even for me when I was at on pre-embolisms um even if I could just do a row Mm -hmm. at night I would be like "Ah, I feel accomplished like I got at least I got in a couple stitches tonight before mm-hmm. I went to bed like it was a long day I just want to let something go let me just get a couple rows in and then I'll feel a little bit better yeah so I do think that is part of the beauty of it is that you're kind of constantly working on this thing and to me I think it's all still like it's all a little bit of being an artist and a, a work mm. of art I, I definitely think of knitting as an art form and I was gonna ask you about that as somebody who has an art kind of background about whether knitting is an art form for you because I never quite know for myself (laughs) no I think it is and I think we all you and I can pick the exact same pattern yeah and interpret it in so many different ways from the yarn choices to maybe you make your sweater with long sleeves and I'm gonna go short maybe you decide you want to add in some waist shaping or some bust arts or I'm like no I want to make it oversized Mm -hmm. or you're like I want this to be really fitted I think um it is such an individual thing and we each get to put our own spin on that. Like I love, I love, cause people are always like, oh, you should design patterns. No, I love other people writing patterns and their designs and the vision and the ideas that they have. And then how I get to interpret that for myself. Yeah. Um, and so- Without doing the maths. <laughs> yeah. Without doing all that, I don't want to do grading. One of my girlfriends is a designer, and I'm like, nope. And I've and we made her make us design a pattern for us for Ryan Beck this year. Like, uh, like Shay, we like to make us a sweater. Thank you. And she did all the work. <laughs> yeah, the closest I've ever got was actually this sweater that I'm wearing now, which is a like you know tin can knits strange brew oh yeah yeah. but I just added these kind of like snowflake to make it a bit more you know I like it Christmassy thank you but there was quite a lot of maths involved and that was a sense of achievement I got a bit different to the way I normally get a sense of achievement from knitting but that was probably enough as it happened (laughs) for me (laughs) I have some books and some formulas so sometimes I will I love saddle shoulders okay yeah not a bunch of people make patterns like that mm. so I will often do that for myself and mm-hmm. like I have kind of a standard pattern and kind of 
And so people are like, oh, you should. And I'm like, I'm going off of bits and pieces from a book and slicing things together. Yeah. Like, I'm not designing this. Like, I can make anything for my bus size. <laughs> yeah. You want to ask me to make it for somebody else? No. But if no. it's my bus size, I got you. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, I'm interested in um, the a thing you said about patience, because I think I certainly I don't know whether you do. People, lots of people say you're you're much more patient than I am. I couldn't wouldn't ever have the patience for knitting and associate patience with knitting. And it sounds like you've felt like you've had to use a lot of patience in your recovery. I wonder whether you feel like patience is something knitters have. Did you get more patient through knitting or is that just something people say? (laughs) I think it's something people say because I think if you want something, you will be patient for it. A lot of things that you want or need don't aren't instantaneous. I also think, and because I deal with students, that we're in a culture right now of instant gratification and immediacy. You know, students are always asking, like, well, how did you all do such and such when you went here for undergrad? I'm like, well, first of all, we didn't have Uber, so I couldn't call a car on demand. Like, I had to make a plan. We had to figure these things out. We didn't all have cell phones. Um, so I think I am patient in that respect. I've always kind of been a patient person when it comes to things that I want. Um, and so I think when people see other knitters and are like, oh, I can never do it. I think people are just intimidated and mm. that it seems like it's this really complex thing. Cause I remember seeing it for the first time, like how in the world do people get to do that and it become this thing. But um. I mean, it just takes a little bit of practice. Mm. And, and I also tell my students that too. I, I wasn't a sweater knitter on day one. Everybody makes a crappy pot holder or a scarf with really big holes in it. Yeah. And you have to accept that. Um, and especially like I'm a, I am a person who's very much a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. Um, I can be a little bit anal about things. Mm-hmm. And so I had to let that go in knitting. Okay. Um, and that that took a little bit for me, but mm. to realize like the perfection is in the practice. It's in I'm better now because I know how I have more confidence. I can fix a drop stitch. I can see my mistakes and frog back. Um, and I think the beauty in it is that if I really, really mess it up, I can just unravel it and yeah. start it. And sometimes I think it's people are like, oh, that's just such a waste of time. But it isn't if you learn from mm. it. And again, I go back to like, I like learning. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so as long as I'm learning and getting something out of it, then there's joy to be had in that. And mm. I think we miss that sometimes. I have a class that I teach students and I'm like, the goal is for you to make mistakes and learn from the mistake that you made because mm. um, it's a problem solving class. And so I'm like, you all are so afraid that you're going to give me the wrong answer that you just don't do it. Like you won't show me the work you want. And the goal is I want to see multiple tries. I want to see how you attempted to do it the first time to then figure out where you went wrong. Mm. And if you don't make the mistake, I can't help you. Like I can't, and so I, I often have to, and I had a really good semester with them this year because I really kept pressing like, no, no, no I want to see the mistakes. Like, I want to see the mistakes. I need to see all the work. Um, but I think that's the really hard part for people to 
to kind of get to them mistakes are how we learn. Like yeah. it's okay. It's you don't have to be perfect. And because we're in such a social media perfection, ultra filtered world, um, it makes it hard for people to understand or process that. And I'm like, that's how you grow. It's okay. Yeah. And I think certainly that's something that knitting has helped me with. And I think in the therapeutic knitting groups I've been running, we have been focusing on like the worst thing that can happen that like you've still got, unless you get the scissors out, <laughs> you've still got what you started with, <laughs> which is a ball of yarn and the needles. Um, and that it is a kind of, in a way, a place for making safe mistakes, like, because how wrong can it possibly go <laughs> yeah. with knitting? Well, my, my husband is really good at, because he knows me and I'm anxious and I will be like, oh, when we first got a dog and like we'd be late or stuck in traffic and he would be like, okay, what is, what's the worst thing that can happen? And I was like, well, she, she poop in the house. And he goes, okay, so then how do we, how do you fix that? I'm like, well, I mean, I would just clean it up. Like it's not, he's like, okay, so let that go. Mm. And understand that if we're late, she might have an accident, but we have the tools and means to clean it up and it's mm. okay. Yeah. And she'll still be fine. He's like, she's not going to starve to death if we're 30 minutes late coming home. Um, he's like, she'll probably be even more excited when you walk in the door. So he, he is very good at refocusing me and saying like, okay, tell me the worst thing that can happen. Mm-hmm. And how then do you, how do you overcome that hurdle once mm-hmm. you get there which is one of the things I had to do a lot with like before school started after having kind of been out of the game for three months he was like tell me all the things that you're afraid of and then let's figure out how we resolve those fears mm-hmm. um and that was a great exercise for him to sit down and be like well these are the things that make me nervous okay let's think about solutions on how we make it better or maybe mm. we need to practice a few things before school starts so you feel more comfortable mm. stuff like that and so I think that's how I feel too in knitting is that all right this cable looks insane and I'm a little nervous let me practice yeah let me, let me try this out you know mm. that's what I tell people too with swatches like that's why swatches are helpful because mm. <laughs> yeah give you a chance to see how something's going to react or respond and then mm. you can figure out if that's the right needle if that's the right technique or maybe it's just not the project for you at that time mm, yeah and do you have more than one thing on the go at once have you got projects for Always. different <laughs> <laughs> and are they different for different I don't know moods or different situations yeah. in your life where you need a different type of project mm-hmm. um usually I have multiple sweaters going on at once um because they require different things at different times. So I like a sweater will have like a lot of stockinette in the body where I don't have to really look. That's great for just some mindless knitting. Whereas if I'm just starting a sweater, maybe I have to pay a little bit more attention to my increases if I'm building out the yoke. Um, uh, Two color brioche when I'm really stressed because it makes me take my mind off of whatever it is that I was thinking about. It makes me focus on the project at hand. Um, so you'll gravitate towards something more complicated if you're really stressed and you need to kind of, yeah, same. <laughs> yeah, it helps me uh, recenter and say like, mm, 
I need to not think about this for 30 minutes. So let me pick this up because then I'm going to have to really look at this because I don't want to mess this up. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a bit of an escape from the stress. Yeah. And then yeah. sometimes I just have stuff like I get, I get in the mood and I'm like, I just really wanted a color, a color work sweater. Yeah. Uh, or I just really want to use this yarn. Um, and I've had moments where like yarn will arrive and I'm like, well, Casting on something else immediately. Um, I actually got some um, some boucle yarn yesterday, and I'm like, "Well, gonna make a hat. It's cool." Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I always ask about a significant knitting project. Um, I always love I always love knitting for my mom. For your mom, um, she always, always, always gets excited. No, it, it can be a wrap, it can be a sweater, it doesn't matter. Um, a little and bit. she's not a knitter, no. No, no one else in my family is. Um, yeah. So anytime I make her something, there is this level of joy and excitement from my mother that is so genuine and so, um, so pure. And it's that, it's that thing when you're like, this is why you make something for other people because they genuinely like get it and love it. And she wants to tell everyone that her daughter made it for her. Um, so I made her a sweater called Asymmetry that I love. That was a little bit complex for me. And she wore it the first time she had to travel out of town after my dad passed away. And a woman, she was sitting eating at a, a hotel bar by herself. And a woman came up to her and asked her if she had knit that sweater. And she said, no, but my daughter did. And it turns out the woman was like a knitting instructor and da, da, da. And she ended up sitting down and having lunch with my mom. And my mom made a friend. And it was just one of those things where it's like something that you knit that brings my mom comfort and excitement, but then also found finds a way to like, connect her to other people mm. um she's also notorious for talking to people in public when she sees other people knitting like well my daughter knit <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll get like an Instagram message like I met your mom today. <laughs> <laughs> um and so that that 100% makes me feel um incredibly special and that I understand that she appreciates what I mm. make so she's probably my favorite person in it for and she's hilarious because like I'll wear a sweater I was facetiming her the other day and I had on a new sweater that I made for myself and like we're in the middle of talking about something else and she goes and that sweater you're wearing is real cute <laughs> is that know. her way of uh that was placing her an order <laughs> that was her hint like so I too would like that sweater so I'm like oh what do I have in my stash can I make this exact um but yeah so anything from my mom I think is uh my actual favorite thing and then I have um a former grad student who's like a little brother to me who whenever he helps me out he always asks me for this very specific hat he'll ask for in a different color Hmm. um and and apparently, like, everybody always tries to take this hat. Everybody loves this hat. His dad's always like, I mean, and I've never met his dad. And his dad's like, well, can she make me one? He's like, no, you don't know her. And she hasn't, like, you have no relationship. Like, this is my special thing. But it's this 
special moment. I think any knit is special when you give it away and then you see it in use. Hmm. And so like I'll see him post pictures and it's wintertime. He forever has on one of the hats. Um, and so that that always makes me happy to see yeah. that. Or like you see a baby wearing something that you knit yeah. or a blanket that you made. Like that to know that it's being used and loved, that makes me happy. Yeah, that actually happened to me last weekend. I met up with my best friend who lives a few hours away and she was wearing the do you know the scout shawl um so I had knit that when my dog was quite a small puppy and had like so it's intarsia and color works it has like six balls of yarn on the go at once and I made it for my best friend's 40th and we met up in a different town and she was wearing it with this like new yellow coat that just matched the she said she hadn't bought especially because it matched the scuff but it looked great <laughs> and I happened to be wearing a cardigan in the same yellow yarn that I'd used in her shorts so we were like looked like we were on a weird Hindu or something <laughs> but it was so special to see her wearing that I'd made her for her 40th which was in July she's not a knitter so it was a slightly random gift you know you never quite I'm yeah. never quite sure if somebody who's not a knitter is gonna appreciate you know I don't appreciate it in the same everybody. way. Yeah. I don't knit for everybody. Um, and and sometimes I've been like pressured my mom be like, just make it. And then I'm like, I didn't need to make this person this because I will never ever see evidence of this thing ever again. Um, but my knitting circle is incredibly small. Uh, and and I do that so that I can make whatever I want whenever I want. I don't necessarily want people to put demands on what I do. Sure. Yeah. And I've, it's probably got to be what you feel like making at that particular time, like what floats yeah. your boat just then. Yeah. Like sometimes I'm like, I like I have a friend who I know really wants a sweater for me and I know what sweater I want to make him, but I have no interest in making that sweater right now. Yeah. But like January will hit and then suddenly I'll be like, now's the time. Let's make this. Sweater. Yeah. But I'm, and that's what I tell people. You might get a sweater for me in July. You might get a sweater for me in February. Like it just, it depends on what the mood is and how I feel at the time. Yeah. And it's difficult to know how long these things take also. People are always yeah. asking, how long does it take to knit a sweater? Hmm, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, it depends. Like, and especially now, um, I was supposed to knit. I'm usually a fast knitter, but I'm not this year. And um um, my best friend comes with me to all yarn related events and she was coming to Rhinebeck and so I knit her a Rhinebeck sweater before and I didn't have it in me I barely got through making mine in time for Rhinebeck mm. but my girlfriends and my little knitting group were like we'll knit it for her because they love her too mm. um and so I think for me that has also been like one of the best things this year is that I, I have a really good small circle of girlfriends who when I couldn't knit, did stuff for me. Mm. Um, and when I haven't had the energy or the enthusiasm, they've been like, no, nah, don't worry, we'll handle it. Um, and so like they knit it, but then I ended up needing, her sleeves need to be a little bit longer. So I frogged back her cuffs and made it a little bit longer for her so that there was still a little bit of me in there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, I, you know, I tell people like, you'll get it when I feel like, <laughs> like it. There have been some sweaters where I've loved the process and so I'll just spend a little bit of time and then put it away mm. and so I've had a sweater that took me like three months where I'm like yeah I probably could have sat down and done this in a couple of weeks but 
I enjoyed it. So I would savor yeah. it and be like, I'll come back to this. Like, I'll pick this back up later. It's mm. fine. Yeah. So it's a lot about the process for you than okay. the end result. Mm. And you've mentioned the idea of knitting making you feel calmer. And you've mentioned the kind of joy and the color. Are there any other ways you think knitting kind of helps you in terms of your well-being? Or I think I have met amazing people because mm. of it. Um, and so like I you know I had said before in 2020 when the pandemic started if I didn't have my the group of five of us if I didn't have those four women in my life I don't know how I would have made it through 2020 and I really don't know how I would have made it through this year after getting mm. sick um, and and what connects us is yarn and it's you know we incur look, we all bought yarn advent calendars this year mm-hmm. so that we got all open. And so like when I log off with you, I'm sure my text messages will be full of pictures of what was in each person's advent because we all got different ones. You all got different ones, okay. Um, and so that we talk about and ooh and ah over what each person got. And you know, we encourage yarn purchases and get excited and ooh and awe over what each other's making and do knit-alongs amongst ourselves. Uh, so I think for me, knitting has also brought amazing relationships into my life. Mm-hmm. Um, even at my old job, like I have a friend who I worked with and we had the same birthday, uh, but years apart. And it turns out she was a knitter too. And so that was a way we kind of bonded at work. Like she was a person where I probably we she and I we didn't really have anything in common and then when someone was like oh you know this person knits and so does Dana and then we just started talking and then created a had a friendship it was like and would bring yarn and pass stuff back and forth at work so I think knitting has also brought me some amazing people into my mm. life that I'm thankful for mm. that's amazing has knitting ever been unhelpful do you think um I mean you get tired of people being like make me this <laughs> um yeah because I don't understand what all goes into it but no mm. um you know when my dad was sick um my dad had cancer and we, I was at the hospital a lot I knit a lot at the hospital mm. and then the nurses would come and talk to me about stuff or bring their projects and show me things that they were working on um no, I, I think it I think it has only brought good things into my life um, and good things and memories and things that I can think mm. about. And I was interested, you said when you were talking about your mum wearing a sweater, that when she went out for the first time um, after your dad had died and it was like her wearing, I don't know, superpower or like an arm Ooh, added an confidence when she wore that sweater. I don't know whether you feel that relationship with your... Uh, sweaters that you or other garments that you make when you wear them well I remember like the first time I knitted a sweater and it was it was done in like a hemp yarn so I could wear it in the summer because I knit it in like May yeah the very first time I was like please don't let this whole for some reason I was like please don't let this whole thing like unravel (laughs) (laughs) and I just be naked at work and did it stay Um, together it stayed together I don't know why I thought but like in my head I was like this whole thing might just collapse. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, but I do feel better 
when I wear my own stuff and then people are like, oh, did you make that? And I'm like, yes, yes, I did. Um, I always say I feel 20% happier when I'm wearing something I made. And I used to also, I don't know, this probably has happened to you as well, that once you're an established, you know, have a reputation as a knitter, you know, in your place of work or whatever, then whatever you wear, people say, oh, did you knit that? And then it's so annoying if you wear (laughs) something that you bought in a shop and you're like, no, I totally could have made this. It would be so easy. But I I didn't. (laughs) I haven't bought a sweater. I bought, actually, no, I bought a sweater for the first time in the store the other day. And I told my husband, the only reason I bought it is because it's in some neutral colors that I would not, I wouldn't find joy in this for myself. So I'm just going to buy this because I know I would be like, no, I'm not knitting this and I would change it. But I needed like a neutral mm-hmm. to go with something else. Um, but I, my students get the most excited about it. And I had a student every day would come in. I would walk in like, Professor, did you make that? And like, Nate. I tell you every week, yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like, yes, I made that. Like he was so, and it is especially the young man. He was so like amazed that I could make clothes because um, they see me knitting. And so my students probably ask me the most mm. about like, like, and you'll see the look on their face when I come in. I'm like, what's going on? What's I'm like, did, did you make that one? I'm like, yeah, I made this one. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, all my sweaters I make, all yeah. of them. I have one from when the dog was in the terrible, like, shark teeth phase, or if the kids are sick and you don't want to vomit on a hand-knit jumper that I keep in the back of the wardrobe, but the others are all handmade now. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask about a knitting high and a knitting low, if you've got any in mind. A knitting high? Uh, probably the first time I figured out how to adapt a sweater for jelly bean size. Oh yeah. And can you remember what that was? Uh-huh. It was an Angelina pullover. Um, and I knit it for myself first and she was, um, had been a new rescue. And so we hadn't had her for long, but the whole time I had been knitting mine, she had been using the ball of yarn as a pillow. And she's so little because she's just five pounds sometimes when you buy some of the store-bought stuff it's a little too big Mm. and I was like you know what I have bought her stuff and I've paid too much money for things I need to just sit down I've already knit this so I just need to do the math to shrink it down and I did it and it was the most adorable ridiculous thing that I ever met and she loves wearing them she loves I mean she wears clothes every day because yeah it's cold yeah and it just was one of those things where you know because sometimes it would be like why would you do that or that because it made me happy <laughs> yeah. that's it. like that's literally the reason um so that is a really good high I'm trying to think of a low oh I can tell you a low I really there was this beautiful cardigan that I really wanted to make and I got halfway through it but it was fisherman's rib and it was killing my hands Okay. And it took me a year and a half to frog it. Oh. I I finally was like, I have to let you go because mm. I, I'm never going to finish you because every time I pick you up, like I feel the ache in my hand. Oh. And it wasn't even small yarn. It was just the, the stitch and the positioning of the hand. Like it just was too much. Um, 
And someone else saw him was like, you're like halfway through. And I was like, yeah, but I'm never. I was like, I can't. I can't yeah. do it. So that was sad. But in frogging it, I ended up using the yarn to make it something with an amazing rainbow, like something else. So I was like, yeah. well, I'm not too sad anymore. Like, yeah. it had a better life. So I think probably the low would be in realizing like what those limitations are. And I mean, mm. I think this year I've not knit as much as I have would love to yeah um, but that's okay I've still made some really great things that I'm excited about just in my head has all of these things that I want to make sure all the time. and I always say I need to be an octopus with multiple arms yeah way more than I do yeah yeah so you're full of ideas and is that part of the joy of the knitting like the planning the next project and what colors you or yarn you're going to use and 100% yeah 100% yeah I love like especially if I'm knitting for someone else. I love that moment when I know the person, I figure out the yarn and the pattern and it all just clicks and it's so perfect. And they're like, like my husband wanted some sweater and I realized I had knit this version of the sweater for my sister the year before. And I realized I had the perfect combination of yarn to make it for him. It was mm -hmm. a nice color work sweater. Um, and he never pays attention. So like, I've been knitting it. And then finally I was like, okay, I need you to try this on. He's like, why? And I was like, I've been knitting you a sweater in front of you for like two weeks. And he's like, that's for me. I'm like, yes, it's for me. He's like, oh, this is not. <laughs> I saw someone on Instagram, you know, I think Drunk Knitter, I think is her Instagram. And she was, had a, she was knitting, knitting next to her husband, her husband. And then she got him to take a picture of her knitting something for him. And I was thinking, I so could do that. <laughs> I met my husband. We went, we went to New Orleans on a trip one year, and we were in a store. And he held up a scarf, and he was like, "If you could make me something like this, I would love it." Mm -hmm. So while we were there, I took him into the yarn shop and was like, "Well, pick the color yarn you want." So he knew the yarn, and we used to commute together in the car. And I knit that scarf for him in the car in front of him for Christmas, and he never noticed. He never noticed. I pulled that scarf out every morning and every evening in our commute, and I knit it in the car in front of that man, and he never noticed. So I realized if I don't talk about what it is that I'm making, yeah, he pays absolutely. He screamed it out attention to it because I'm always knitting. Yeah. So why would he think it's for him? Yeah. So it wasn't until I said to him the other day, like, you know, this sweater is for you. He's like, what? <laughs> I was wondering whether you could knit him a surprise. Clearly you can. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I knit him all the time. And then I'm like, ta here you go. And he's like, oh, it's mine. Like, yes, he has paid zero attention to it. <laughs> but he's delighted with the outcome. Oh, no, he's not. I know it's like there's certain, certain things I'll make, like their hats. I haven't even gotten to block because as soon as I show him, like, I just finished your hat. And the next day I'm like, where did where did that go? And then he comes home and it's on his head. I'm like, <laughs> I was not, the process is not over. It needs to be blocked. Um, so there's something that he absolutely like, and he is very, he's usually very specific. He is very specific in his request and will like show you a picture or give you an example and then tell you what color. Okay. Um, and he usually only asks for one thing a year. And I can't, so I always make it for him. So sure. this, I made him a sweater this year because I wanted to. Um, but he has asked for a scarf and a specific yarn, which I got for him. 
Um, so I'll be working on that mindlessly um, for him. <laughs> and he went, no. <laughs> it's a simple garter stitch scarf. It's really more about the yarn. He saw a, he saw a speckled yarn in a sweater that I made, and he's like, "I want yarn like that, mm-hmm. but in like blue, red, and um, white." And so I was like, "Oh, he just wants speckled. Okay, I can." <laughs> he didn't know he wanted speckled. <laughs> he didn't know but until he know. saw it. But <laughs> yeah. He he kept looking at my sweater. And he's like, "I like like this effect," <laughs> and I'm like, "You like the yarn? Okay." That's what you're telling me is you like the speckled yarn. Got it. I got it. Mm-hmm. So you just have to translate that. Uh-huh. Yeah. For yeah. Him. But he usually gives me enough visuals or enough things yeah. where I can figure out and I, or I'll ask questions like, is it the texture or is it the color or how it's arranged? And he'll be like, no, no, it's this. And I'm like, oh, that I can do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I always end the podcast with asking what's the greatest gift that knitting's given you for the rest of your life? Creative expression, probably. Mm. Um, I've always been a really creative artistic person. Um, And I think it has helped me find ways to express myself, even like embroidering on my knits now. Mm. So like, as I go, there's some quotes and things I pull in grad school and I was like, you know what, I just need to start embroidering some of these things onto like simple sweaters because these are like things that I live by or things that are kind of what guide me in my research and my academic work or like things that I love. Um, And so it has given me another way to kind of have a creative outlet and express myself, which I'm very thankful for Um, Mm -hmm. and isn't necessarily something that we get all the time or, you know, I was raised where my parents really encouraged my creativity and for me to express myself in those kinds of ways. So to find a way as an adult to have an outlet, I think so often we get caught up in work and allow that to take over our lives. And my dad was always like, I do not live to work. I work so that I can live the life that I want to live. And so I've always tried to find a balance and to find moments of joy for myself and things that I like that come outside of work. When I leave my, when I used to leave a nine to five job, I had other things I wanted to do and enjoy. And I tell my students, like, it's a little different for me as a professor, but like, I tell them, you know, my, my winter break is about, yes, I have some research work I got to do, but also I'm going to knit and I'm going to play video games and I'm going to give myself that mental break that I need. Um, because I also think it rejuvenates me and yeah. it, it makes me a better educator, a better person because I have creativity and things that are exciting outside of just doing mm. work every day. That's great. I often, like, I often see young people for therapy who are in exam years and I find they often end up giving up their hobbies for those exam years because they're trying to focus on passing exams. And I'm like, no, this is the time you need those things this even more. need it. Yeah. This is when you need it. And I, for me, you know, I just sat for comps. So two days for 12 hours total of writing. And I just, my in-between hours and my in-between days, I was knitting Mm -hmm. as a way to say, I have all this stuff that I've stored in my brain. So I need to just give myself a moment to not just focus on what it is that I've been writing and working on and thinking about theories and methodology and, like let's work on this hat because yeah. I need 
this. Um, I find sometimes that the ideas percolate a bit when I'm knitting. Like I'm, I'm not trying to access thinking about work or having ideas about things, but somehow they arrive well, when I'm knitting. Sometimes I have that burst. And so I scribble notes on all my patterns and stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then also for me, because a lot of my research goes into the knitting community, mm. um, sometimes it makes me think about or see things in different ways. Mm. So I have time to kind of process that information. But, yeah. Um, no, I, I always like my, my my best friend has a really stressful job, and I'm like, you need to pick up crocheting again or weaving because they are stressing you out and I want you to find a way to disconnect and reconnect with yourself so mm. that they don't pull all of the creativity out of you just for this job that you get to save a little bit for yourself. Mm. Oh, Dana, thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure hearing your experiences and all your ideas. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to series one of the Why I Knit podcast. I've really enjoyed having these conversations and sharing them with you. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe so that you're notified when series two begins at the beginning of March. Thank you.